0: July 21st, Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only to a person who is still living? Let me illustrate. When a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So this is the point. The law no longer holds you in its power, because you died to its power when you died with Christ on the cross, and now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead." As a result, you can produce good fruit, that is, good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died with Christ, and we are no longer captive to its power. Now we can really serve God not in the old way by obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way by the Spirit. Well, then, am I suggesting that the law of God is evil? Of course not. The law is not sinful, but it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, Do not covet. But sin took advantage of this law and aroused all kinds of forbidden desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. I felt fine when I did not understand what the law demanded. But when I learned the truth, I realized I had broken the law and was a sinner doomed to die. So the good law, which was supposed to show me the way of life, instead gave me the death penalty— Sin took advantage of the law and fooled me. It took the good law and used it to make me guilty of death. But still, the law itself is holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my doom? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commandment for its own evil purposes.
1: Good morning, everybody. This is Josh Storts, uh, Phase Two. I, uh, I have a little something I just want to share with everybody. Everybody, this morning. I um, it's my last week in in Lancaster, and and uh, Lord's been putting it on my heart to share this, and so uh, yeah, I'm going to share it with everybody this morning, and. Um, what it is I would just like to talk uh, about the word joy uh, this morning and and the reason why is because sometimes I believe that you know we just don't use the word enough uh, or even at all in in the Christian vocabulary and I believe it's important and uh, the reason uh, I believe we don't use the word joy often enough is because we confuse it with happiness um, now you might be thinking Josh you're crazy uh, you can't be full of joy and not be happy and, and I'll get to that in a moment but See we believe joy is found in, in pleasure, um, sex, drugs, parties, etc. We believe also that it's found in security, uh, our mother's protection, dad's approval, and, and things of that nature. And, and even further we believe it's found in prosperity, money, power, so on and so on. But however, we are only believing a lie that Satan is constantly telling the world to believe. See, in James chapter one, verse two, the author doesn't say count it all joy when you hit the easy button and everything just goes your way. No, the author tells us to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now this is the part I tell you, joy is not the same as happiness. Although they may overlap, happiness depends on circumstances. Joy depends on God. Happiness vanishes when life turns painful. Joy keeps on going and growing. See, we want to believe we will be happy by circumstances all the time. Like, I'll be happy with a good wife, or I'll be happy when my family accepts me, or when my fellow brothers accept me, or when I'm working and making money. and All those things are nice, but what we need to believe is that joy depends on God. In, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, the author tells us, You love him, though you have not seen him. And though not seeing him, now you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the author tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It also goes on to tell us in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. So if you want to be full, if you want to be overflowing with joy, it will come. It will come. And it will come from a living and vital relationship with God, Jesus. It comes from knowing this world is only temporary and someday we will be with God forever. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that just sounds great to me. Knowing that uh, I can look forward to that when when this body, this fleshly body, dies, man, that just sounds so awesome to me. And it also comes from a life of submission to the Holy Spirit, a life of obedience regardless of circumstances. Now that's a tough pill to swallow, huh? I get it. Uh, yeah. So you know, a, a Christian should be either uh, should either be up or. Be getting up. And and why? is because we should not be moved into action by our feelings, but by His will. We read this every morning. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to get up or I don't want to go to work today. Uh, I just want to do what I feel is okay to do, you know. But But when you truly submit, when we truly submit, and when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and fully believe in your heart, that he was buried and God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And when this happens though, then you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and and he will fill your heart with this overflowing joy and and he puts this joy in in, in your heart as good medicine. Proverbs 17 chapter 17 verse 22 tells us a joyful heart is good medicine. And we never Never, never run out of it. We get a never-ending supply of it through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is enough. So Scripture tells us in Acts chapter seven, verses fifty-five through fifty-six. And some of you that know me, you hear me talk about this a lot. But uh, uh, it talks about Stephen, the the first Christian martyr, and man, it, in, in these verses, it, it talks about how Christian uh, Stephen was so full of the Holy Spirit. That when he gazed up into heaven, not only did he see God's glory, but he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And and I think Nate McDowell. If you don't know Nate McDowell, he's um he leads Bible study on Tuesday nights. So you know uh, you'll get to know him if you're in the early phases, and those in the later phases, you, you probably know him. Um, get to know him more if you if you only know the surface level. of me he's a he's a mighty man of God. I love to do to death. Uh, great mentor, and um yeah, so. Uh, he, he, he just brought this to my attention, so that this is why I'm sharing it with you. But so, um, so scripture generally tells us that Jesus is normally seated at the right hand of God, correct? And, and it tells us in a few places, but um, now this is just the one place that I know that it says that, uh, uh you know, Jesus was standing up at the right hand of God, and, and I don't know the, the true interpretation of this or. Or what it truly, truly means or why he was standing. But I do know what I would like to believe um, is that Jesus himself was so full of joy seeing that Stephen was dying for believing in him. That he was so full of joy that he couldn't help but stand up, nudge his dad or God, and possibly just say to him, Hey dad, check out my boy Stephen down there laying down his life in belief of me. So, so as we go throughout this week, guys, just um, just let Jesus know how much we love Him, how thankful we are for His atoning sacrifice. Let us show Him how strong our faith is, and that we fully believe in Him. And um, as we go throughout this week, if uh, just go throughout it as if you would be proud to have Jesus Himself walking beside you and in, in telling his father, our God, here's my boy, dad. Watch, watch him go. What a great feeling that is just to, just to think of that. And, and one last thing, I, um, I got asked to serve in, in phase one this week. Praise God. And I'm so thankful that uh, I was chosen for this um, by leadership and by, and by Jesus himself. So and when it when it was brought to my attention, the first thing that came came to me was ephesians four twelve where it talks about the need to serve and and it says equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of christ and and I believe in that fully and I also believe in in coming uh, going back and remembering where we came from and and serving the brothers behind us. you know Jesus washed the feet of his own disciples and so I keep that in mind and you know I just all of us uh, just need to remember to represent Christ with compassion and bear witness all that uh, we say and do and, and just carry on Christ's work. I encourage everyone this week uh, to not focus on your past sin, but to focus on the finished work of Jesus that conquers sin. And, and just um, a quick prayer, just uh, Lord, our Father, just uh, just distill your overflowing joy into our hearts. Amen.